0: Tell you what it is. I'm your ice cream main, when I'm passing by. All oh, my, my, I'm your ice cream main,
1: when I'm passing by. Howdy, homies. In today's very special Satisfied. talk, I get to have a chat with the one and only Mr. Clint Motherfucking Howard, who has been kind of like a, I don't know, idol, crush, obsession, whatever you want to call it for me for like ever since I saw his lifetime achievement award on MTV back in like I don't know probably the 90s I guess you know <laughs> um but I I got to interview him once before and we did like a YouTube thing um where I kind of dressed up like an ice cream cone and kind of talked to him into well I was trying to talk him into doing ice cream man too which he really wasn't feeling at the time though we might have an update for you on that uh and I gave him uh, my own little kinky horror Lifetime Achievement Award to let him know that we just love him and think he's amazing. So my idea for the second interview was to let him know that and have you guys help out with the questions. And and so I asked, uh, I put out a tweet, a tweet asking what questions you want to hear, what you wanted to say to him. So this whole interview is basically what you guys wanted to know as much as I could fit in in the, in the time I had. So Thank you for that. I let him know that how much we love him and how much we want to be on Last Drive then. Let's make that happen. <laughs> anyway, thank you for your help. Thank you, to Clint, for being here. And here we go, Mr. Clint Howard. Thanks for listening. There we go. What is up, horror homies? I am here today with an amazing special guest, Mr. Clint freaking Howard. How are you doing, sir?
0: Well, I'm doing real good, Diana. I didn't know that was my middle name, frickin', but that's pretty cool.
1: Oh, it is to us, man. <laughs> so how have you how's COVID treating you? Like we're you're in LA with me. We're all like locked up right now.
0: Yeah, but you have to remember I was uh I was a full time actor for for a long time and, and the whole key to being an actor is getting good at sort of sheltering in place anyway. True. You know to be <laughs> To be by the phone, waiting for auditions or by the phone, waiting for something happen. You know, you got to stay sharp and you got to take care of business. And also, listen, it's one reason why I played golf for so many years. And that was if there was something pending, I could go out and play golf and be away from the phone for four and a half hours or so. And it would kind of help clear my mind, you know, um, I don't have golf to do now, but uh, we have a garden. Kat and I have a garden in the backyard. And uh, we got uh, a rabbit, Dottie. Uh, we have two cats, Aww. Michael and Ethel. Uh, we have <laughs> three birds, one parrot, Kiwi, who is vicious. He's a killer. Um, and then two lovebirds, uh, Erlinda and Alipio.
1: Oh, my so- God. You have a full house.
0: <laughs> oh, it, it It is quite the menagerie here at Howard Park. and I do I can uh, I can say right now as of May whatever it is um, uh, that I can confirm there is a tomato on the tomato plants. Yay! Yeah. It's not all that big Diana um, I just want to be honest it's kind of a tiny tomato right now I've named him Tim Tim the tomato <laughs> and he'll be the, I first, mean- he'll be the first one.
1: Aw, you grew them yourself, though. That's amazing. Size doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's amazing what water and sunshine with some pretty good earth, and uh, you go down to the hardware store and you buy a tomato plant, and you know, voila! It's uh, it's relatively idiot-proof.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I've tried growing some stuff and never had any luck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Yeah, years ago, um, I was gifted. A couple of of succulents, you know, like a little plant, one of those little oh three succulent planters, and I put it outside. And two years later, I went out and I realized it hadn't died; it had survived. I kind of cleaned it up, and I think I I put one suck pulled one succulent out and rearranged it. And I started becoming a succulent farmer. And and I know they're really idiot proof. It's hard to kill them. <laughs> but i love them because they're cactus flowers and especially this time of year i've got a couple that are just you know blooming great and uh, they Aww,
1: it's, that's so cool
0: yeah you know i kind of realize i'm 61 years old now and i kind of realize now why you know old people garden it's kind of zen like uh, you know you can count me in in the the, the legion of gardeners out here in the world <laughs>
1: i think i hear your birdie in the background
0: Yes. As, as a matter of fact, Kiwi is very close by. However, who uh-huh. you're seeing is Erlindo and Alipio. Um, they're, <laughs> they're the lovebirds and they have yet to do the nasty and have little baby birds. But the, the plan is that they're going to be able to do that eventually. Um, well, all- you need to
1: get on it. Live up to their name. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Well, also to um, this, this rabbit, who I'm a big fan of rabbits and I've never been. I you know the only thing I knew about rabbits is you know you could go down to the dime store when you were a kid and buy a rabbit's foot, you know. But know. but this, <laughs> this cat this this rabbit um, moved in courtesy of of cat of and uh, I love Dotty. Dotty is you know, lets me hold her. A uh, Dotty stumped me. Uh, Dotty's got a really nice nice little piece of real estate that that you know she can scamper around in, and of course. Being the altruistic guy that I am, you know, I had to purchase a split level for Dottie. So Dottie has (laughs) (laughs) Uh, out there in Howard Farms. And also, too, uh, Dottie has been going after the bell peppers pretty hard. In fact, that's kind of Cat's pet uh, plant out there. But Dottie keeps nipping them in the bud, literally.
1: (laughs) How old is Dottie?
0: It's kind of indeterminable. Dottie is not a, mm. a monster. Dottie's been around for a while. And for about three or four years, Dottie was living out kind of not in a vacant lot, but it was not well kept. There wasn't a lot of grass and there was a lot of burrowing. And here here at the house here, um, still got a lot of green grass and the vegetable garden, which is sort of like the buffet line at the Wynn or something like that for, for <laughs> Dotty um she's been really cool she just you know once a while she'll dig up little divots in the grass Uh, she has made one little burrow but it doesn't seem like she's stuck in it you know she 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 comes out she spends a lot of wonderful evenings with the two kitties uh kind of frolicking in the yard
1: that's so sweet
0: yeah like you have
1: entertainment during your during your lockdown time
0: well, he is, you know, and I have been able to continue to work. In fact, I've done a couple of oh, really, yes, a couple of virtual things where it's been in a film in a horror film, they needed to have a kind of a sort of, oh, how would I describe this doctor, paranormal psychosis, paranormal physicist, and but it was a virtual, it was a podcast. So we were able to do it with all the safe distancing and everything. And they're going to c- cut this into the picture. Uh, it The movie was finished last September. And while editing it, Matteo, the, the the director, he he felt like there was a hole in the story. And so he developed this little side thing of these this one character listening to these podcasts. And uh, it's going to be me.
1: That's so awesome. What's the name of it? So we can look out for it. Um,
0: it, well... I think it's paranormal, not activity. <laughs> it might be paranormal activity. Listen, you know, it, you know, in this business, a lot of times the names that they use when they're shooting something is not the name. Very true. And in fact, um, I think, I think the name of my podcast, which is only going to be inside of the film, I think is paranormal now or something like that. Um, you know, check me if I'm wrong, but I, I don't really worry too much about the background. I'm worrying about my dialogue.
1: <laughs> well, it's awesome that you can work from home. People are being really creative right now and, and shooting stuff that way, which is really cool.
0: Yes. Well, listen, nowadays, more than anything, first of all, filmmaking is a collaborative effort. Storytelling is a collaborative effort for the most part because you need to add ideas. And a lot of time you add illustrations. If you're making a film, you know, you've got... A myriad of people who are helping. And, you know, yes, ultimately they do have to get together and be in the same room. But a lot of the work, you know, editing, uh, writing, all, there's a bunch of it that goes into making a project that does not include being right face to face with each other. So, you know, I, I actually have been working creatively writing something uh, in that way. We met. With uh-huh. We met on this met in person on this project. Uh, I flew out to New York, and uh, you know, so we did have some one-on-one time together. Actually, it was multiple people, you know, together. But then now, for the last three or four months, we've just been working on it. You know, at the seed level.
1: Any idea when we can expect to see it?
0: Well, I listen. I, ooh, no, you know, no you know, idea. No one knows
1: anything right now. <laughs>
0: well, you know, nothing is set in terms of, you know, even getting the thing off the ground. But it just seems like it's an idea, and I can't really share it with you right now, but it seems like an idea okay. that has resonated with people that potentially buy stuff. You know, and, cool. and ultimately, you know, this is show business. I gave up my amateur standing years ago. And uh, although I love, to, I love to sort of explore projects that are personal to me, I also like to make money, (laughs) you know, I like like to feel like that I'm bringing home the chicken sausage.
1: Well, we have had an interview once before, which is amazing. I appreciate you doing that. And I kind of just fangirled out the whole time. So I thought maybe this time around, I'd ask um, the viewers of The Last Drive-In what questions they had for you. So I, I could throw some of those at you if you feel like up to it.
0: Oh, that would be wonderful. Listen, you ask softball questions, you'll get softball uh, answers. But if you ask, you know, really good, interesting questions, you'll liable be able to get a pretty good, inter- interesting answer out of it. Uh, ah,
1: dang, we should have dug deeper. These are all softball because we're all, like, really okay. big fans of yours. <laughs>
0: I'll, chew on, I'll chew on it, Diana, and give you a good answer.
1: Okay. so Let's see. Let's start with... Okay, Aloha Pete, ask, your favorite moment from your talk show, and will you be doing any new episodes?
0: Well, as far as doing new episodes, especially this shelter-in-place deal, yeah. has pointed my attention towards being able to do something really low, you know, out in the backyard, you know, a Clint's Backyard Barbecue, and sort of- Oh my of God,
1: that'd be amazing.
0: Take the variety <laughs> show to a different level and just kind of have this ongoing barbecue going on. And then yet have, have acts and have interviews and have funny cutaways and doing things like that. So that's definitely on the table. My favorite moment from the Clint Howard Variety Show is when my dad, Rance Howard, is dumping some trash in the alley. And the agent of the show, where the character was played by Mark McClure, and the agent's name was Ernie Anthony, because we did have a couple of fictional characters that we were sort of trying to weave into the deal. And uh, so he's trying to get into the vacant lot somehow, this agent, and my dad is there, and Mark McClure does this runaround where he's gonna sort of offer Rance, you know, a contract too. And dad gets, to the, get, gets right to the gate and says, Ernie, this is the line of demarcation. You cross this line, I got a gun, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> and then he Aww. walked and it was, I was, I directed it and it was a perfect moment. And then Mark just buttoned it up really good. And they, we pushed in on, on Mark and he said, baby steps, Anthony, baby steps. <laughs> so that's, anyway, that, that's my favorite moment. Also there's a, we did a silly, silly thing. I think it's in the, it's the last little bit of the last episode. And it was something that I was sort of trying to avoid. And yet it kept coming up. And I finally said, let's do it. And it's this te- the chainsaw juggler getting his arm cut off. Uh, and, you know, we had a blast doing it and we did it way over the top. Big fun. And, uh, yeah. you know, it, it just so as much as anything, it's sort of a lesson learned for me that, you know, at the time, I was kind of thinking, well, the show is kind of one thing. I I really don't think it should really be about, you know, fake arms getting cut off. Um, (laughs) But we love that. And yes, exactly. You know, so, hey, I'm an old dog. I can learn new tricks. And um,
1: (laughs) well, we would love to see you do it again. That's for sure.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you. Got another question?
1: Oh, sure. Um, A lot of people want to know about your snow globes. So like, how did you get into that? Are you still doing it? Can we order them?
0: <laughs> well, yes. You know what? You can order them. In fact, you could. You could purchase them for two hundred ah, and twenty-seven thousand dollars. That's a bargain. for that. I will. I'll take an Uber to your house. I'll take an Uber to Europe. Um, to to <laughs> Uber and set it up. Um, and because first of all, all I got to do is sell one. You know, if I can just sell one, I'll be fine. And no, That's a
1: good marketing plan.
0: What <laughs> the the truth about it is, uh, when I quit playing golf, I sort of needed to have something to do. And although it wasn't an activity that was you know exercise oriented, it was still keeping my my brain busy. And I hadn't really done a hobby in a long time outside of play golf. And so I started doing the snow globes. And you know, there's a fellow over in Valley Village here in Los Angeles that that. He ships them all over the world. And it took me one time, you know, to realize I don't need to pay FedEx to have this. I can drive over to his place in 10 minutes, you know. So anyway, I, I pick up the snow globes and I started and, you know, I went really, really slowly, you know, and I, each one is sort of an inspiration. Very few of them ever get planned. I'm actually looking, uh-huh. I'm, I'm looking over at one of them and it was sleeping with the fishes. And it's a, it's, there's a guy who's got handcuffs on and he's blindfolded and he's at the bottom of the snow globe, you know, and then there are three fish that are swimming around. Um, and it just, you know what it is. It just sort of started first with the Baylock, um, puppet snow globe, but then it's like, well, what am I going to put in it? You know, and I try to think of things and I, I wanted to make one extra tall. So I built like a two and a half foot base for one of wow. the, suburbs. And that's, and that's Cecil. And he's up in his, his own ivory tower and he's pointing wow. down and the name of it is, I see you down there.
1: Oh my God. <laughs>
0: yeah. And that, uh, you know, and I'll tell you what, first of all, I really appreciate that, you know, people, when they see him they like him and I've made a couple for, for family, you know, I made birthday presents and Christmas presents, and I brought tears to the eyes of family members, which is, you know, I mean, it's kind of why you get get gifts. Well, you don't get gifts to make people cry, but it's nice when the tears. You
1: know, happy tears are good.
0: Well, yeah, and and they were, they were. I uh, uh, so I've done that, and I just I keep thinking like I've tried to put lights inside of a snow globe. That's a little problematic because the seal. No matter what has been compromised so you're going to get a little leaking um i did one it's cosmo surfing the cosmos and it's i made a character that looked a little bit like kramer and i put him on (laughs) a little little skinny stone that looked like a little asteroid you know like a some sort of meteorite or something and he's got these funky goggles on and i teased up his hair and he's in the surfing position and he's awesome it looks like that Cosmo is surfing the cosmos. Surfing cosmos. Um, you know, so anyway.
1: Sorry, go
0: ahead. No, no, you go ahead.
1: Well, is there a place where we can see them? Do you have like a site with your, your work up somewhere?
0: You know, you know, Diana, I did. I had a Facebook page, the Snow Globes. Oh. And it got hacked and I got it to, and I took it down. And it'd be really easy Bastard. for me to do it again. I've had uh, within the family, I've made. Uh, calendars with pictures of you know each month has a couple of different shots different angles uh of the snow globe i had one one month was dedicated to elvis because i have an elvis snow globe and
1: and oh
0: yeah and then michael jackson and then i got i redid michael jackson a few years ago a couple years ago and i put bubbles the clown in it and there's Uh all there's there's an alien box where the aliens are watching Michael Jackson, because the whole snow globe thing, at least for Michael and the King, is that they are performing at area 51, you know, and Michael opens for the King because no one tops the King. And, and, uh, you know, uh, Hey, listen, you know, when I was a kid, I used to play card baseball and I used to fantasize a lot about sports. And, you know, now, I create little worlds for my, uh, for my snow globes, not so much for my snow globes, but like, I name all the characters, the only characters in the globes that aren't named are the, the, the fish. I will not name the the three f- fish that are sleeping <laughs> that are swimming around Eddie. Why? Well, I, I, I drew the line. I've got a buzzard in one. Billy <laughs> the buzzard. Um, I've got Randy Clay get get got honor in one of my snow globes. I've got a fellow jumping the reservation and it's him. That's the snow globe where Billy the Buzzer is standing there on the fencing as as Randy's getting ready to jump. Billy is standing there at the fencing watching. And um uh, Randy is saluting with the middle finger. Uh and it's called <laughs> it, it's called jumping the reservation. Nice. Yeah. You're very
1: creative with these.
0: I, you know what? I love it. I, You know, I, I've always been a pretty good fantasizer. I've always been a pretty good guy to sort of do something to the next level or at least try something funny. It's all about funny. I mean, really, like, I, don't, I don't make these things to be contemplative and serious. I make them because <laughs> people like, oh, that's cool. You know, I don't even get them. I don't even make them for people to say that's cool. I make them for me to say that's cool. You know, well, you
1: do an amazing job. They look really like pro and good.
0: Well, thank you. You know what? And that you you bring up a really good point. I really should put together a site either on Facebook or somewhere. I mean, it doesn't have to yeah. be. A, it doesn't have to change all the time because listen, I don't make them that often. I'm I just made one and I'm going to make three or four more here in the next few months. But uh, it's not something that I want to spend you know day to day working on it like yeah. since my career, you know. But to be able to show them to people. And I'll tell you another thing that works really good. I take photographs of them. And because, you know, originally as a snow globe, the original invention was to be a, a a magnifying glass. Because if you look, that's exactly the fellow who made them, made them, made it as a magnifying glass. He put water in a sphere. And it does magnify what's behind the sphere. It also does tricks with what's in the sphere, too. Um, so, I, or this guy, he did it. And then that was right at the time that they were learning how to, to grind glass and make lenses. So, this, this nice invention that he had became kind of obsolete. At that point, he put a design in it, and then it became the snow globe. So, oh. and it all, it all happened, it all happened, I believe, in Austria was the guy that originally did it. And in fact, supposedly, the, that same company is still making snow globes. And I bought, I did a snow globe where I put a snow globe inside of a snow globe. And <laughs> the purchase of the little snow globe that was already finished, the purchase of that snow globe was probably the most expensive thing I've ever put in a snow globe. It was like $59. Oh,
1: wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, but, anyway, I have one. It's Susie Snowglobe. She's sitting Indian style, you know, gazing down at this snow globe, and the name of it is Chicks Dig the Snow Globe."
1: Uh, <laughs> you need to post that one for sure
0: yes, I know I will you give me you you give me uh, inspiration, Diana
1: yay, well, I love that you're on Instagram now. You could post some of them there
0: yes, no yes, I could. I would like to sort of dedicate. Specific place or whatever. They
1: so can find it all at once.
0: Instagram is fun and instant, and and I, you know we're enjoying the heck out of it. It's fun to make.
1: Yeah, it, we
0: love you there. Yeah, thanks to make the little you know funny thing, or even just make a, a somewhat serious report. I mean, I, I've always enjoyed Facebook, and Instagram is just you know better, you know, or because you can do, you can be filmed, you can be captured, you know. Do uh, so you come
1: back to Twitter anytime? I,
0: I don't know, I Diane. <laughs> you know what I have to say. I don't think is really worthy of being blasted out there. Is important.
1: Oh, we disagree, man. We would love to have you back there.
0: Well, <laughs> you know, I try not. To, I mean, listen, politically, you know, I've got my positions, but I don't like to just you know race around and, and lead with those. And
1: oh, you don't have to. We talk all kinds of nerdy stuff over there. We at you all the time. You just never see them. <laughs>
0: Well, I'll tell you what, um, you know, I got to do it one thing at a time. You know, I'm barely able to tie my shoes, and <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, onward and upward, maybe with future social media things.
1: Cool. All right. So, you're talking about aliens, which brings me to this next question. From whom? That's interesting. <laughs> he says, "What do you think about UFOs and aliens?"
0: Um. Like, do you well, believe in them? Do you have- Well, you know what. I- I'll tell you, Diana, my only question is why the hell would they have running lights on their equipment? You know, I, I don't believe that they need to follow any kind of FAA orders and, and be lit up like <laughs> at the Newport beach Christmas parade. You know, um, are we interfacing
1: the fashion choice?
0: <laughs> are, are we interfacing with interdimensional tourists or Some something from somewhere else, or whatever, I'm absolutely positive of it, you know. And it's uh, I don't know, you know, when I read on the internet that Ron and I were up in the rafters at Ivan Tor's studio as NASA was faking the moon landing and moon walk, and that they shot it at Ivan Tor's studio. Well, first of all, I was around when that happened. And Ron and, and I were not up in the rafters. And I believe the technology available and the, just the quality of, you know, I don't believe that it ever could have been done at that time. Um, and, and so, no, I believe that we went to the moon and landed and walked around. I mean, I worked on Apollo 13 and, 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 and looked in the eyes of many of those NASA guys. And, you know, I don't believe they're all BSing all at the same time. But that's just, listen, so the conspiracy theories about aliens and, and you know, certain, what about crop circles and those kind of things? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know about that stuff. But I do know it would be absurd to think that we're alone.
1: Agreed. For sure.
0: It would be absurd to think. I mean, that's pretty narrow-minded.
1: Gigantic universe, like. Well, For sure. Just us, yeah.
0: And also, listen, interdimensionally. I mean, I one day I sort it, of it popped into my head. You know, wow, look, there could be interdimensional tourists, and that would be if you could have if you had the ability to go in and out of a dimension, and you could sell tours, so people could <laughs> people could travel around. Not people, entities. You know, energy could travel around and. Pop in and see, you know, like, and then they got to get back on the bus and they got to go to Universal Studios. It would be (laughs) just interdimensional.
1: That is a poor use of interdimensional travel going to Universal Studios.
0: (laughs) Well, I use that just as an example. I think they might be able to do that. that. But I'll tell you, the Terminator ride is awfully impressive. You might catch a few going down to take a peek at that.
1: I guess that's true. Okay, so you mentioned Apollo 13, so I'll jump to this question from Horror Puppy One, who wants to know what is your favorite cameo in a film?
0: Wow. My favorite cameo in a film. You know, listen, a lot of my roles could be considered cameos. I mean, th- times when I just pop into something. Um, my little scene in Splash, where I was the end uh-huh. of where I was at the end of a punchline where Tom <laughs> had having problems and everybody was talking, everybody that went into the um, wedding, he was one of the attendants or one of the, uh, one of the ushers. They were asking him about his girlfriend. And finally I'm the third guy that walks in and I just say, Hey, and he rips into me and she left me and by, you know, okay. and then John Candy, after I leave John Candy, whispers to him, you shouldn't have done that. That's the that's the bride's brother, and Aww. for and that was what nineteen eighty what four. That and that was. I think really, so around then. That was a really classic cameo, you know, and uh, the, that one off the top of my head kind of rings. Listen, I like to work, and the only thing that kind of irritates me is if I do have some work in in a movie or on a television show, and it gets cut down to where you're the third guy in the back, which has happened. I've been cut out of a couple of movies. And I also was was rendered meaningless, was rendered an extra in a movie called um, Rocketeer, a Disney movie uh-huh. that was years ago. And I just, I didn't have a huge part, but I was part of this little crime family, you know, with kind of comical versions of the Corleones. And I had a couple of things to do. And yet the movie was not about us at all, so they, you know, I ended up in the cutting room floor, and only appeared for a few seconds here and there. I, I don't even think I really had an online cam uh, line or an on-camera line. Now yeah, another good. time, I did a movie called Twilight with Paul Newman um, and um, oh, Gene Hackman, Susan Sarandon. It was an all-star cast, and Benton. The, the dear old collaborator, I'm trying to think of his name, not Jim Benton. I'm just, pardon me, I'm brain locking. But he was no he was Paul Newman's longtime collaborator. And they hired me to play this um, EMS worker because in the in the movie, Gene Hackman has a heart attack and I'm wheeling him out and Paul Newman is kind of watching, concerned. And in Paul Newman hated to sign autographs. In fact, he wouldn't sign autographs. And this bit got written where I ask him in the movie for an autograph because he was sort of a once famous private eye in this movie. And so we did this. We were going to do this bit. And it was a nice bit. It was actually kind of funny. It was about you know, four or five lines each about me asking for an autograph. And here I am wheeling a guy away from a from having a heart attack. And I stop and I ask for his autograph. Um, and Paul, Newman, who was a sweet guy, a great guy? I got a great vibe from him. He did not want to do this bit, he did not sport, <laughs> you know. And he put up a really good, fierce argument. And this is later in his life. And you know, it's like they comes with the, he commands a lot of respect. And Benton, the director, heard him out.
1: Robert Benton, by the way, I just I looked
0: know, it up. You know, that, yeah, shoot, I shouldn't have known that. Um,
1: okay.
0: he, um, He heard him out and then said, no, I really think I want to try to do this. I think this can be a really nice laugh for the movie. At that point, Paul Newman shut up, you know, and we did the bit. Now, it got cut out of the movie, but Paul put up a good fight as a creative member, as a man who's earned that, you know, moment to discuss stuff. And yet the director, Robert Benton, wanted to do it and we did it. And that was a great moment. And one more moment too, which is really fun because it goes back a long way was when I worked with Sly Stallone in Tango and Cash.
1: I love Tango and Cash.
0: Yeah. (laughs) No, that was a great movie. And it was, it was a better day on the set than even the fun they had in that movie. No
1: way.
0: I had been (laughs) been warned a little bit about Sly and, you know, maybe his reputation was that he might be a little difficult, this and that. And, When I got there, he couldn't have been nicer and he couldn't have been a better acting partner. And we had fun with those scenes. Uh, And another highlight, one reason why I won't forget, is Larry King was visiting the set that day. Uh, And, you know, I knew Kurt Russell peripherally. And, you know, Ron is closer to age to Kurt than I am. So but Kurt came by and said hi to me. But Larry King was there and I was able to have a great conversation with Larry King for, you know, about radio. And because, and, you know, he was an old late night radio talk show host in Miami. And I was at a very young age, a radiophile. I love talk radio from the time I was about 12 or 13 years old.
1: Do you ever think of doing your own podcast?
0: <clears throat> you know, Diana, we've we've talked about it. I, it it's a little like it's not really what I want to do for a living. I would enjoy doing it. If I had somebody who was a real crackerjack producer, I do have an idea about to do a podcast about the business of acting, where I would, I would talk to, of course, as many celebrity types as, as I could get my hands on, because that's what it's all about. You know, you get the kind of the sizzle of, of an interview or a situation, but they don't, but not have them talk about their latest picture have them talk about the process of getting the jobs and surviving as an actor. So it would be the business of acting, you know, and, and various things. I'm an old school kind of person. I, I think that like segments on the show could be going down to auditions, like say at Warner brothers and then interviewing the people that have just auditioned as they're coming out. And then
1: that'd be interesting
0: and then take that and they offer them little gift certificates for participating, you know, and then we take that interview and then have like three veteran, you know, actors or actresses or producer or whatever, sort of critique and make comment on the way these people are pursuing their acting auditions, you know, Um, and every avenue, you know, listen, the business, as you know, The business has so many different little nooks and crannies, you know, the wardrobe. um, Oh man. You know, like, or even just going to an audition or, or making yourself presentable. Well, how does that get done? Who does it? You know, and when should you do it? Those kind of things. I just think that if I was to do a podcast, it wouldn't be so much about celebrating, you know, the business or me, it would be about, Hey, how do you, how do you tackle it a little better?
1: That'd be so interesting. You should totally look into doing that.
0: Yeah. Well it is. I, you know, it's one of those things I've had, I had a foot operation here about three months ago where I actually paid a doctor break a couple of toes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've seen movies. Usually they break toes for free. Um, (laughs) I know this doctor, great doctor. Uh, He, he, you know, when it's, listen, a foot operation is a little bit slow in healing and, uh, You know, so just listen, there's life's in session. And at this point, doing a podcast would be something that was fun. But, you know, I'm not 25 years old anymore. You know what I mean? And sort of having the the focus and also the physical help to pull it off. Because, like, if I start asking my friends to do celebrity interviews or, you know, or just come on, that has to be just well-oiled. You know, you can't be putting, I don't want to put my friends out. You know, so anyway, it just, you know, I don't want to get get over my skis, as they say.
1: <laughs> well, is your foot doing better now?
0: Yeah, no, the, the Dr. Case, so high recommendation. It, it, it was good. And I was having a painful situation where a bone slipped down on my foot and was like working to create these really painful calluses on the ball of my foot. It felt like somebody putting cigarettes out on the bottom of my foot. It was that painful. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, you know, of course, recovering from the operation is a two or three month thing. You know, really, truly. But, you know. You well, did
1: a, picked a good time to do it. So we can all just sit here and recover and heal.
0: Oh, yeah. And <laughs> oh, down. <lockdown>. I mean, <laughs> listen, sheltering in place is something actors learn to do and get good at. But I even had the advantage of being able to recuperate in place. That's you awesome.
1: Know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's all you good. You time
1: for a... a couple more before I sure.
0: let you go? Sure.
1: All right. Okay, one big one that a lot of people send in, but I'm gonna credit it to Steve Dalton because I saw it first, is what does Tranya taste like?
0: Well it tastes like stinky pink grapefruit juice. <laughs> Cause that's what it was. Although I must confess, um the other day it was really hot and I went into the refrigerator and I pulled out what, what I perceived to be a really big orange and I peeled it and it didn't peel real good, but you know, I was thirsty and I wanted it. And I, I chunk, I, I started eating the, the the wedges and it was a little extra chewy and a little tangy, but it was okay. And I finally yelled back to Kat. I said, Kat, it's an awfully big orange. This is kind of funny. And she goes, that's a grapefruit, hon. And it was a don't so ask So yeah, it wasn't that bad. You no, know, I was six years old when I did Star Trek, and it was it was a warm can of pink grapefruit juice. Um, you know, so so you know, I don't I don't expect too many kids at six to be able to you know gulp down big swallows of of that concoction. But I'll tell you what, it really in the end of the day made a big difference because if it would have been apple juice or something that I would have want my 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 body would have wanted I probably would have taken a big swig and in the episode <laughs> I barely sip it you know if you now look, we know why <laughs> yeah it's because ah, I was gonna you know less is more of pink grapefruit juice
1: <laughs> okay so we have green adder who wants to know if you still display your lifetime achievement award
0: yes i do yes I, as a matter of fact the lifetime achievement award is up on the mantle, right next to a Cosmos surfing the Cosmos.
1: Oh, perfect.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm proud of that. And, it, you know, it's, it's humbling that, you know, I, I've got myself in a position where people sort of acknowledge me and I had a good time doing that and good memories. And, you know, they retired the award. So, you know, what the, hey, I'm like the last guy to get it.
1: Are you really? Like literally the last one?
0: I think so. It was Chewbacca yeah. before, and then it was me. <laughs> At that point, they retired it, which you know maybe they ran out of people to have, you know have sport with.
1: <laughs> well, you're in very good company in that. Sense.
0: Yes, I know. Yeah. I know, Diana.
1: <laughs> so this is what I bugged you with last time, but a lot of people asked, and I just would love for you to re-explain it to them why we are not getting Ice Cream Man too.
0: Well. <clears throat> In my sort of newly formed opinion, I've kind of come to realize that people of the horror genre, they don't really have the disposable income that like people of the Star Trek world have. Because Norman and I did a Kickstarter project. And we oh, went I was at, part of that. <laughs> we, yes, we went at it pretty good. <clears throat> and I felt like that we gave a fair representation of, of the idea. And, you know, we got, I don't know, you know, 30 or 40 thousand dollars which you know norman and i both realized that we probably could have gone at that a little differently but that um you know i i I wouldn't mind doing it but
1: really that's different than last time last time you were like oh child murder is not a good thing or something oh yeah listen
0: go back and see the first movie It's child endangerment child imprisonment (laughs) some really bad overall themes in that movie but I think Norman and I had figured out a way to tell a little story that would be fun. Wouldn't have kids in it so much. And, um, you know, it would carry on the kind of ice cream man tradition. It's just a matter of the business. And, you know, can you really get somebody to, to pony up a couple of hundred thousand dollars because no matter. Ooh, I bet you could now. <laughs> well, You know what? I wouldn't mind thinking about trying. I really wouldn't mind. Woo! It's just, we did. That so happy We did. And it kind of went toy, toy.
1: That was a while ago, though. No, we're we're ready. Okay, we Ice Cream Man yeah, 2. We'll talk.
0: Maybe maybe we'll talk off mic, and maybe we can we'll we'll confab. We'll do a virtual confab, and then maybe we can come up with a strategy to get Ice Cream Man Two launched out there into the world.
1: Oh my God! Whatever I have to do, I will so help you.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much, Diane. You know I appreciate that, and I think um, I, I I think that if I you know if I pursued something like that. You and others, you know, I've developed a lot of friends over, over time here in, in Hollywood. Um, and it just, um, you know, it might help me get, get it made. It's just, you know, making low-budget movies, it's not for oldsters, you know. I mean, I could do it, but I just also admit, you know, rock and roll high school, you know, we were all young. It was, we really were young, not talking young, we were young. And there's a certain amount of commitment and a certain amount of energy that goes into putting a little low budget movie together. And as much fun as it can be, it's still a heck of a lot of work. Well,
1: we'll put in the work for you and you just come in and be ice cream man.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, then, uh, you know, I'm liking the sound of that more and more every day.
1: (laughs) Yay. Okay. Last question. Um, you were on Monster Vision, showing Ice Cream Man with Joe Bob, and now we have The Last drive going again. Is there any way we can talk you into coming on the show? And what would
0: you want to show if you did? Oh, boy, I, you know, yes. With Joe Bob, I'd be honored. It'd be fun to do. Woo! I don't, you know, to hit pure genre. that That's sort of programming's decision. I certainly, know, Evil Speak is a movie that, you know, it's, it's certainly of an interesting era and I was the lead and uh, it was like the male version of Carrie, you People
1: know, love that.
0: Yeah. Well, no, I know it's, it's interesting, but you know, a lot of different things. I don't know. You know, you, there's, I even at one time had an idea of doing, I've done three or four or five little short films that I've, that ultimately I've been real proud of. And to string those together and make that kind of the majority of an evening would, or not an evening, but you know, tally up to a couple hours um, might be something fun to do. And That'd it's, be fun. there's a lot of people that have seen my, my various roles, water boy, and you know, all those little things. And then even ice cream man and, and evil speed. But, um, but the little shorts are things that, that you know, I I like to. Uh, I'm just as proud of those things as I am of the big things.
1: Oh well, that'd be cool. I'd love to for you to talk about something that you really feel strongly about, and yeah. maybe people haven't seen as much.
0: It, it it's more not seen as much, you know. As and it's work, you know. When you're for me, when I work on a, a bigger project or a, a project that I've got a lot of responsibility on, I'll not so much play it safe, but I will. I will. N- you know, not try to get real, well, I, I equate it to baseball pitching. It's a little bit like when I'm down working on some low, like a low budget thing, a little student film or a little short that a friend of mine's putting together. I'm a little more liable to sort of go for the corners and try to throw that perfect slider off the corner. And, and you know, gives me a chance to gives me a chance to experiment a little more. When I'm working in the big leagues, I sometimes I'll just kind of choose to just go straight fastball you know yeah there's another movie that i did that it's not really a genre movie although it would be fantasy it would be a fantasy movie victorian fantasy movie that i did called planet ibsen and it was a movie i did back in the early 2000s and i played henrik ibsen or at least a version i played the henrik ibsen that this other playwright who is tormented believes he is because the the fellow the fellow the main lead in the movie the character is August Strindberg, and he was a playwright. And uh, uh, August Strindberg never met Ibsen, but and this is of, of historical note. For whatever reason, whether it be insanity or or whatever, he got obsessed with him, and believed that Ibsen had plagiarized his life to write the play *A Doll's House*. And *A Doll's House* is really, you know, way ahead of its time, and Ibsen. You know, although the play itself is a little stilted in places, it it's still the message is really good. Anyway, this fellow Jonathan Weich made a really good little independent movie, albeit a little confusing, but a really good little independent movie about this story. And uh, I'm proud of it. And I think it's available somewhere to be streamed. Um, I will definitely check it out. I show it to friends every once in a while because I've got a copy and, you know, it's like people are surprised by it. And uh, yeah, no planet Ibsen. And if, uh, you know, I had great memories doing it and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that one. That would be an interesting, that would be an interesting driving movie. You know, it's certainly a different temperature.
1: (laughs) I'm looking at it right now. It's really interesting. I have actually not heard of it before, but since you feel so strongly about it, I will add it to the top of my must-watch list.
0: Yes. No, I. you listen. I, you know, just, it's not fast-paced. It's a nice, it's a nice, slow. It, it, I had a blast making it, played a pretty interesting character. Uh, and uh, so take, take, take a listen. And also your, your listeners, have them take a, take a peek.
1: I will. Planet isn't, people. Check it out. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's oh, such a pleasure God. talking to you always.
0: And I listen, I enjoyed the first time that we interviewed. It was a it was a hoot. And you're a good spirit. Oh, I was through so nervous. <laughs> I really I appreciate it. And listen, maybe somewhere down the line with some of this stuff, you know, I certainly will will um you know come and try to get your help.
1: Oh, anytime. Absolutely.
0: Okay, <laughs> okay great, Diana. Casey, I'll talk to you later.
1: <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much.